Roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice, nice. Welcome to the Beer Garden, presented by Oxford Crystal. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, it is an NBA free agency preview show. If you like the NBA, you'll love this show. If you hate the NBA, it's probably not for you, but you could try it. John Hamm joins. He is the editor-in-chief of Welcome to Loud City. He's also an NBA insider for SB Nation. He's the host on the franchise OKC, and he's the co-host of the OKC Dream Team podcast. We do talk about the Thunder, but not until the very end. We talk about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, what's happening with the Houston Rockets. Is there any chance of getting Jimmy Butler? We talk about D'Angelo Russell, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Al Horford, a lot about the Pelicans, a lot about the Grizzlies, a lot about the Milwaukee Bucks. Um the Warriors, the Lakers, and the uh, Thunder. So there's a lot of NBA that we touch on. On this uh, 37 minutes or so with John Hamm, I think you will enjoy it. Um, and hopefully you will listen. So I would appreciate it. If you like the NBA, you like pro sports, you like free agency, you like drama, you will, uh, you'll like this podcast. Before we get to John, let me tell you about the Oxford Crystal. It's on Highway 6 West in Oxford, just next door to the Oxford Exxon. And right now, it is home to all-you-can-eat crystals and fries for only $5.99 every day. It's dine-in only, of course, because that explains the all-you-can-eat. Go in and uh, get the crystals, get the fries to your heart's content. $5.99 every day. They also have $3 square meals, three uh, crystals, fries, and a drink for $3. The $3 square meal available every day, as are the Scrambler breakfast bowls with fresh cracked eggs, Sausage or bacon, cheese, the whole shooting match. You'll love it at the Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West in Oxford. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi. Um, What you do is you call Clark Ford. You ask for Corey Clark. You tell Corey what Ford you're looking for. And uh, he sends you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You uh, you get a baseline moving forward, and uh, it's that simple. You get your baseline, and you can let it be uh, a, a reference point as you uh, search for a vehicle, or you can do what I've done three times now, and that is let Corey and the people at Clark Ford take the hassle out of the uh, car buying experience. You'll, uh, you'll get a great vehicle, great service after the sale, delivery, all those kinds of things. 662-257-1900. Tell Corey you heard about it on the uh, beer garden. You'll save $500 off the already great bottom line. We're also coming to you from LB's Meat Market. LB's uh, 662-259-2999. Call Greg uh, Jones and the people there at LB's. Uh, check them out on their site, lbsmeatmarketoxford.com. It's 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. 662-259-2999. Get, tell Greg what you're looking for. Maybe you're getting ready for the 4th of July. 
You want to um, have him have some uh, a brisket cut up and trimmed up for you. Uh, maybe you want to get some sausages ready. You should try the spicy ribeye sausage. It's new. It's fantastic. I had it uh, just last week. Cannot recommend it highly enough. Chicken sausage, lamb sausage, everything you could want. Uh, uh, rat, wagyu uh, beef, everything you could possibly want is at LB's. The product is fantastic. The service is uh, even better. You'll love uh, doing business with LB's. We can't recommend it enough. Tell him that you heard about it on uh, on the beer garden. He'll throw some things in for you. Maybe some some frozen sausages, maybe some uh, stuffed potatoes, some jalapeno poppers, whatever uh, you have in mind. But Greg will take care of you just by telling him that you heard about LB's on the beer garden. We are also brought to you by Community Mortgage. Community Mortgage located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. It's 30 years old this year. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the southeast. All of the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis. So you know you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's also the leader in the condo financing uh, market in Oxford. So get in touch with Jason Lowe. Ask about Community Mortgage's float-down option. It allows you to lock in the current rate. But if rates go down before you close, you can get the lower rate. Uh, J-Lo, J-L-O-W-E, at communitymtg.com. And brought to you by Strategic Partners in Media. SPM is a full-service advertising agency, works with businesses of all types, big or small, Fortune 500 companies to startups. SPM can help your advertising needs for TV, radio, print, and every facet of social and digital media. Look, here's why SPM is really good, different than other ad firms. They handle everything in-house. They don't sub their work out. The writing, the production, the editing is done solely by their staff and crafted uniquely for their clients. And lastly, an Ole Miss grad and a Mississippian is a partner in the firm. So give them a call and see just how great they are. It's Austin at strategicpartnersmedia.com. Now to our NBA conversation with John Hamm. John, welcome into the show. Appreciate you uh, taking some time here, and glad you've uh, you've been able to dodge the hundreds of tornadoes that have gone through your state here in the last few months. Oh my goodness! Uh, there for a while, it was either a tornado or a flood or both. Uh, there was so much rain that was dumped. I mean, not just in Oklahoma, but the entire uh, you know, Midwest region, I guess. And yeah, we kind of got through severe weather season. I think that's behind us for now. We can catch a bit of a break until the next round here in a few months. Yeah, my my daughter looked at OU and and uh, they did a great job recruiting her. And there have been some times here in the last couple months that I've said to her, you know, I'm really glad you didn't pick Oklahoma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been stressful to uh, to, to look up every single day and okay, there's another tornado and another tornado. All right. right. Speaking of uh, tornadoes, I guess uh, it's not the greatest segue in the world, but it's a podcast. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> Kevin Durant, uh, he's he's caused a few tornadoes in, in the NBA in his time. He's a free agent. As we tape this, it's been uh, it, it, the news has come out that to no one's surprise, he uh, declined the player option. He is now officially a free agent. Um, haven't talked to you since the injury, since really the about the midway point of the season. Um, what are your thoughts about where Kevin Durant goes from here? If you're a team, Brooklyn or the Knicks or whoever, the Clippers, whoever the case may be, how concerned are you about this 6'11", 7-foot guy coming off of, of an Achilles issue who's had a history of, of foot problems as well? How how worried are you in investing in Kevin Durant today? You know, I I don't know if there's much trepidation because the way that I've been looking at it, I mean, Kevin Durant is one of the NBA one percenters. 
So uh, this is exactly why LeBron James could take those short deals time after time, because even if he suffered a catastrophic injury, someone was going to shell out the, the biggest contract possible for him. So um, not surprised. Uh, Kevin Durant opting out is an indication that he knows he can get you know more than that $31.5 million next season, can probably get the long-term deal that he wants. And if you're one of those teams out there that's chasing him, look, um, you know, it, it's obviously hard to tell. Achilles injuries are devastating. And, you know, there's very few, very, very few, I think, cases where the player comes back in the same shape, if not better. So, but, you know, is, does that mean instead of being a top two player in the world, Kevin Durant's going to be a top 10 or top 12 player? I think that's still worth the investment, in my opinion. Where do you see him going? Is there any chance that, that he takes this max deal with Golden State and then Golden State trades him in a year? I know that's been floated. Or do you think it's more likely that he ends up in Brooklyn or New York or, or elsewhere? I mean, my hunch has been the New York area. And I kind of go back and forth over whether it would be the Knicks or the Nets. I honestly think the Nets are a more appealing option uh, from top to bottom. The only thing the Knicks have going for them is where they play and, and the name. Um, you know, ownership has is, is been a mess forever. Uh, the front office is doing the best they can. There's, I think, at least some stable, competent leadership in place now. Uh, David Fisdale, you know, is is a guy that that I, you know, I feel like he's going to get, um, I don't know, a, a decent shot in New York. I think he's a good coach. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I keep looking at Brooklyn, and you know, and, and as far as that other thing you suggested. I'm a little surprised no one has mentioned about the possibility of being salary cap circumvention. I mean, to re-sign a guy up front with the acknowledgement that, okay, we'll trade you in a year. That seems to violate every spirit of the collective bargaining agreement. I mean, that is basically, you know, getting a player a deal, you know, that if, if Kevin stayed in Golden State, he could get up to five years. If he went somewhere else, he could only get a four-year deal. Well, that's sort of the decisions that the salary cap system has you make. And if you're a team that if you lose a free agent, it sucks to be you. That's the way the system is supposed to work. So I saw that I saw that mentioned, and I, I really wonder if that would actually go anywhere because that just screams, uh, you know, sort of trying to work against the spirit of the rules. Um, obviously, there's, there's been a lot of talk since probably the All-Star break and maybe before about Kyrie Irving and KD teaming up together. Teams are only interested in Kyrie if they can bring a superstar with him. He's clearly leaving Boston. That's over. Uh, he's burned every possible bridge that he could on, on his way out of town. Um, does he go to Brooklyn? I mean, obviously, if, if the Nets can get Kyrie and KD, it makes sense for them, and they could wait a year. They can let Kyrie have his way for a year and then bring KD in and, and go from there. But if they can't get Durant, do they still go after Kyrie? That's dicey. That's really dicey. Um, maybe they maybe they feel like they kind of have to. I mean, look, D'Angelo Russell is obviously an all-star, and and uh, I, I think he's got a promising future ahead of him. And there's still the possibility that they could sign Irving, re-sign Russell, and you know just sort of go with a two-point guard backcourt, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Kyrie Irving. There's some fans in Cleveland that can tell you some Kyrie stories, you know, and every one of them since he left has been trying to tell people, 
what Kyrie is actually like. And sure enough, I think, you know, you're starting to see a lot of that come out. And in Boston, fans are sort of accepting that, uh, you know, now, now that it's happening to them. It's it's dicey. Uh, but if he doesn't go to the Nets, where does he go? I mean, I, I suppose the Lakers, um, maybe the Mavs are a long shot. Um, but yeah, it does make you it does make you wonder if one of the I mean, maybe it's the Knicks, maybe it's the team that that strikes down on free agency will be the one to take them no matter what. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what it comes down to. Maybe it's KD and, and Kyrie to the Nets or if that falls apart, Kyrie goes to uh, the Knicks. Yeah, it's. The, 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 the two guard thing, you know, that's not going to work. D'Angelo Russell's he, whether he is or isn't in reality in his mind at this point, he's an all star guard who should play all star minutes and get all star productivity. Mm-hmm. And yet if he goes like, for example, if, if he gets sent back, if he goes back to the Lakers, he, he's not you're obviously not the main guy there. Now you're not even the number two guy there. Uh, and with Kuzma, you might not even be the number three guy there. I don't I don't see <laughs> For D'Angelo Russell, this has to just be bewildering, right? I mean, the, the, the Lakers give up on you. You end up in Brooklyn. You play uh, all-star caliber basketball, and, and now you might end up back in L.A.? Yeah. Yeah, you know you're exactly right. I mean, look, he's obviously uh, he's he's found success and developed by having the basketball in his hands. And so then to put him in a situation where you're going to take the ball away from him the majority of the time, I, I think that's asking for a lot. And then also, by the way, continue to grow and prosper the way you had been doing. So, you know, one dark horse here is Minnesota. Um, you know, there's a new regime in place. Um, they have the they have the capability of, of maneuvering themselves. It would take a little bit of work, um, but maybe they could actually get in on that. And then if you could put and I'm assuming that would that would mean getting rid of uh, Andrew Wiggins in some shape. Uh, you know, maybe you have Russell, you have Carl Anthony Towns and you sort of build something around those two. That would make some sense. Yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing if you're if you're Minnesota. Um, so you know, again, they've. I, I kind of think they're a dark horse in this whole thing, and then of course there's Indiana as well. Uh, that's another team that you know has is pretty well positioned to to kind of go either way, bring back their own guys, or go out and hit the free agent market. Let's talk about a few teams that maybe don't make as much sense. Obviously, the Lakers are are top heavy, with you know, arguably the greatest player in the world still, and LeBron James. They they add Anthony Davis. There's a lot of star power on that team, but how? And you're a guy that really understands the CBA as well as anybody, if not better than anybody. How how do the Lakers fill out that roster um, with a with a team that would would have you know the kind of quality depth that you obviously need to make deep playoff runs? It would be really tough, really tough. And so it basically it comes down to timing and cooperation. The most likely scenario is that the Lakers are going to have at most $23 million in cap space, possibly as little as 19, because they could elect to to hang on to the the free agent rights of Reggie Bullock and then just kind of use that $19 million to fill out with a couple other complimentary guys. Um, now if they can get, you know, new Orleans and now Atlanta to cooperate with them and get Anthony Davis to waive his trade uh, kicker, which personally, I, I don't think he should do, you know, there's a scenario where they could get up to that significant cap room to go pursue the stars, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kyrie Irving, etc. But, you know, 
that is so tough to do and then fill out the rest of the roster with veteran minimum guys, cast-offs that basically LeBron has played with elsewhere, I think is who they would be filling it out with. Um, you know, the way the NBA is trending is to where, you know, if you're a team, you get two star players. That's kind of the way the system was intended to work. Golden State sort of broke that mold. Um, but I, I think it makes sense to get your two star players, get some complimentary guys, and the Lakers should probably shift their focus at a Danny Green, at Patrick Beverly, uh, those type of guys, uh, rather than trying to cash in and get that one other star and having a very thin roster after that. You know, I've, I've heard people, John, talk about uh, the, the, the trade kicker, the $4 million deal that he gets just by being mm-hmm. traded. And they're like, well, why would he keep that? Wouldn't it be better for his team if he, if he waived it? And, and I understand what the fan is saying when, when he or she says that, but the Players Association would be furious at Anthony Davis and his representation if they just waived that money and started trying to make that any form of a precedent. Because if you're a player, let me look, you're, you're, you're in a career field that uh, you're going to age your way out of that field pretty early. You're not going to, you have a window of, of opportunity to make money that is, that is small. And if you, if you're giving money back, the Players Association is going to be furious with you, right? Probably so. Um, now, look, there have been guys that have you know taken less. Typically, it's you know like a David West that opts out of eleven million to sign a veteran minimum contract, or it's Chris Paul leaving approximately ten million on the table to engineer a trade to Houston. But like Chris Paul got paid back. Like, you know, he, he made out pretty well when all was said and done. Um, Anthony Davis, there's really no way to say, oh, well, you know, we're going to make up that four million for you because he's going to get maxed out no matter what. Um, and, and the way that I look at it, look, that trade kicker was written into his contract. He is as an NBA star. He's already underpaid compared to the rest of the market. And look, it's not his problem that the Lakers have got five million of dead money on their books from signing Lou Aldang. That's not his problem. So, yeah, I think this expectation that people have that you need to do this to help out my team is is it doesn't make a lot of sense. I understand we're talking about millions of dollars here, but still, um, it, it's sort of about you know making the most of your market value while you can. And I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's right to expect him to, you know, cooperate just to help the Lakers carve out a bit more cap space. What do the Houston Rockets do? And this is a this is a multifaceted topic, yeah. obviously, because they are. I mean, they've been a contender here the last couple of years, a, a a real contender in the West, but they're not anywhere close to over the hump. Yet they look up, and and now the the Warriors are certainly going to be a shell of what they were the, the last few seasons, obviously. And um, yet Harden and Paul don't get along or whether they get along or not, they, they did not appear to get along. And now there's stories that are coming out that they don't get along. I think Houston tried to shop Chris Paul. Nobody was particularly interested. Now they're, they're wanting to get their hands on Jimmy Butler, which is another dynamic in and of itself. But they have <laughs> some issues about how they would go about doing that. And then if you trade Capella and get Butler, do you, do you have – the kind of bigs that you need to go along with what they have. I mean, I, I just, I've asked you 17 questions and one thing, just what are your kind of thoughts on where the Rockets are and what they can do hypothetically to get over the hump and make themselves a, a true title contender next season? There's two things about Daryl Morey that, that I believe are absolutely true. One is when it comes to roster building, uh, he is very creative. Um, you know, he will, he will find ways to, to get involved with players, get his name, 
and get get talks with guys that you think there's no way they can really make that happen. But he's a pretty creative guy. And two, he doesn't care about chemistry. Like like human emotion sort of stuff, I don't think really registers with the guy. So um, he just sees talent. Jimmy Butler, talented. I want that guy, regardless of what the other chemistry issues may be. Um, I also think, too, the chemistry stuff might be a little overblown. Not so much. I, I have no idea. Maybe Maybe some of this stuff did actually happen that's been reported. But I do think it's a little overblown that, like, guys have to like each other to compete for a title. Um, so that I'm, I, I know that it's, that it's a thing and it's Chris Paul and just follows him everywhere he goes. So I have no doubt that there is something going on there, but is it team blowing up? I, I, I don't know if it's to that degree. So, um, you know, having said all that, yeah, um, they're kind of in that same situation where they're trying to, like you say, add that third star. Well, then how do they fill out the rest? rest of the roster that gets very challenging uh tried to pull off a sign and trade uh would hamper would hamper houston because it would put a limit on their spending for the rest of the year philadelphia would have to want to cooperate um there's a lot of obstacles there to make that happen so i'm not shocked to hear butler's name linked to houston but it feels like in the end they're going to wind up doing something less than that if they were to get butler Capella has to go, right? So he, he would have to go in some sort of a some sort of a trade. He's got a, a massive number attached to him. You look at the Houston roster, they've got Capella at about sixteen this is for next season for nineteen twenty. Uh you know, Capella at about sixteen point four, Eric Gordon at about fourteen. It's probably gonna be those two guys. I mean, it's possible that you know the Rockets could cobble together several other guys and make it work instead. But, um, you know, and, and this is assuming they want to keep PJ Tucker uh, out of the trade, which but there are indications they don't want to move Tucker, that he's very valuable for that volatile locker room. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at probably Capella and Gordon in some type of a deal to bring him back. And yeah, now look, I mean, Houston is, is just fine without big man. You know, they could run, they could run lineups with, uh, with PJ Tucker at center, most likely. Um, they're, they're kind of renovating the league that way. Maybe they, maybe they see it as worth the, uh, you know, worth the risk taking, assuming they can fill out the rest of that roster with veteran minimum shooters. What does Golden State do? They had a hell of a run, won titles, got to the finals six or seven whatever how many straight years it was yeah, I mean, a lot uh, yeah a lot i mean they an incredible run they, they they're going to lose durant uh thompson's not going to play next year i assume they're going to have to give him a max deal to keep him and i think they will um what do they do with draymond green what do they do with just some of the rest of that roster if if you're uh bob myers and the people in in i guess now san francisco what what are how do you look at that team going forward with You've won titles. Now, how do you get back to that place? Because obviously, they're not probably not going to be able to build the the dynamic super team in in the future that they that they had the last few years. Yeah, it's uh, you know, look, the, everything's sort of caught up with them all at once, and some of it is just unfortunate. Again, the injury to Durant, the injury to Clay Thompson. Um, you you hate to see something broke up that way, um, but you know. Them's the them's the break sometimes. Um, I look. I think Clay Thompson's going to stay. You know, it seems like every couple of months there's some rumbling that Clay Thompson may consider the Clippers. If blah blah blah. I think that's just reminding Golden State that hey, you need to pay this guy, and they should. 
They absolutely should. Draymond is is another wrinkle. Um, you know, is it possible to trade him now for multiple pieces? I, it might be worth looking into that. Uh, if he if Draymond plays with Golden State next year and makes an all NBA team, or if he wins defensive player of the year, suddenly he's eligible for that super max deal. And then does Golden State really want to commit that much money to a guy headed on the wrong side of 30? Yeah, it's it's pretty dicey. Some of the decisions they have to make there in Golden State and they don't have a lot of tools to work with. Maybe they could, you know, make a move involving Iguodala and bring back a couple of uh, rotation pieces. But other than that, um, you know, it's going to be the mid-level exception. It's going to be veteran minimum salaries. And they're in a tax territory where that's all going to add up. And I understand this new arena is supposed to generate a lot of money. Um, Owners don't like paying luxury taxes over long periods of time. So I think at some point, this is all going to come together and Golden State's going to have to reinvent itself. Toronto finally wins the title. They uh, they make the, the deal. They get Kawhi. Kawhi ends up being this massive difference. They did the the one-year gamble that Oklahoma City did before with Paul George. It, 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 it paid off for the Thunder in terms of George staying. They obviously haven't won a title uh, yet. But uh, Toronto gets the title. Now they try to keep Kawhi. Do you get a sense from talking to people around the league what he's going to do? No. <laughs> not at all. Everyone is sort of, uh, is, I honestly feel like there's a lot of people just sort of guessing for the most part. Um, so I mean, my, my hunch is that staying in Toronto on at least a short term deal makes sense. Uh, try to run it back and see what can happen next year. Um, but again, I, I feel like Kawhi and, and some of the people that are, that are in his circle, I, I don't think there's any fear of like the optics of leaving a, a title team for, you know, the, the likes of the Clippers. Um, I feel like that they're sort of, you know, well, if that's what we want to do, that's what we're going to do. And they're not really concerned about what anyone has to say about it. But, you know, strange things happen when you approach July 1st and when you get into July 1st. But, man, it just feels like there's enough momentum working there. Toronto's got enough to work with to run it back and possibly go on a little bit of a run here themselves. It was kind of famous Oklahoma City last words, though, right? I mean, that, that's kind of what, yeah. it's kind of what they thought with, with Durant, I think, about this Pretty time much. Yeah, in, in 2016. <laughs> so a guy that, that Oklahoma City was going to bring in had Kevin Durant stayed, at least every, everybody, it, it, this has become, it's gone from rumor to just assumed fact. So I'll, I'll, I'll run the risk of, of being an idiot here. But Al, most believe Al Horford would have, would have signed with Oklahoma City had, had the Thunder uh, – re-signed Durant now Horford is he's leaving Boston the rumors are that he's got a four-year deal out there somewhere yet no one can quite figure out where he's got that deal do you have any insight yeah that whole situation is very interesting and you talk about I mean that it's become the stuff of legend like you know Oklahoma City would have had Al Horford and people sort of talk about the team that OKC could have rolled out with Westbrook and Robert and Durant and Horford and Adams with Oladipo off the bench, possibly Nerlens Noel. I think there might have been a subsequent deal to get him even back in 2016. Um, it's sort of become something of a legend, you know, like, man, look at what could have been. Um, but I think that's what OKC was preparing for. I think they were, you know, they were hoping to benefit from the cap spike in 2016. And they were positioned to where you offload Ennis Cantor, uh, Kyle Singler, Mitch McGarry. It could have happened. So anyway, you know, that's that's a few years ago. Fast forward to now. 
Um, I think it's interesting. You hear Horford's name linked to Dallas, although uh, I think Tim McMahon and others have, you know, there's people in Dallas denying this, whether they're, you know, just lying to everyone, uh, afraid they're going to get, uh, you have it swooped out from under them or not. Um, anyway, his name has been linked there. I've heard his name linked with new Orleans, which is kind of interesting. He's not necessarily on the timeline with the, with the other players, but you know, if you want to build a team that could possibly make the playoffs next season, despite all of that youth, adding a guy like Horford makes sense, especially to team up next to Zion. So um, keeping an eye on those two teams and, you know, maybe the Clippers too. Maybe that makes sense uh, as they, again, with sort of a young core as well, they could use a, a veteran to sort of anchor things down in the in, in the middle. You mentioned Zion. That's where I was going to go next. Uh, I, I live in the same house with the 12, soon to be 13-year-old boy who has already declared that he now wants a uh, Zion jersey. He's just trying to pick which one. I, I, I think <laughs> I, I think the Pelicans are going to make some money off of uh, merchandise sales. I'm just that's just my guess. Uh, it's not not breaking news. Just just a yeah. stab in the dark that the Pelicans are gonna gonna make some money off Zion Williamson. How how well did the Pelicans come out of that deal with the Lakers? Obviously. You lose Anthony Davis, but they came away with a ton of assets from that thing, right? Yeah, they really did. Um, and, you know, things just things broke their way. And, you know, by the way, if you're listening and you're wearing a tinfoil hat, I, I just I don't want to hear it. I mean, <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't believe the league is, you know, out to help poor New Orleans stay a viable NBA team. Just the ping pong balls popped that direction um, and they got Zion Williamson. And I mean, you think about. You know, what if they had gotten the third pick instead? You know, we're not nearly as bullish on this team if they're coming out of this with R.J. Barrett instead of Zion Williamson. But because they have Zion and they were able to cash in as well as they did on, on Anthony Davis and sort of get the Lakers to panic a little bit, they're set. They have got uh, they've got a nice little now look Boston had a treasure trove of assets too so that doesn't mean everything um, but New Orleans has a lot to work with they made a lot of moves at the draft I think they came out of the draft um, looking really sharp coming out with I don't know a whole lot about Jackson Hayes um, but Nikhil Walker Alexander Alexander Walker I get the name mixed up um, you know another promising prospect as well so you have to like the direction they're going and so again with with david griffin running things and sort of um overhauling everything with that franchise it's something i think that new orleans desperately needed yeah they'll be fun to watch i mean if nothing else man, yeah. i don't think they're a competitor or anything right away but they'll, they'll certainly be entertaining television when you turn on league pass that'll be one of the teams that when they're on you're like yeah i'll check this out for a few minutes and Absolutely, and now uh, the new a uh, uh, the new color guy for New Orleans Pelicans is going to be An uh, Antonio Daniels. Yeah, so you that. have even more reason to tune in and watch the Pelicans next season. Yeah, he's he's really good. Um, he really is. Yeah, he's excellent. Um, speaking of of new new players, John Morant's in Memphis. I know a lot of uh, Grizzlies fans will be listening to this. The Grizzlies have kind of finally finally turned the page as an organization. They appear to actually be studying analytics and things and it's almost <laughs> like you know they, they said welcome we're you know we're going to join the rest of the century I, I do like the direction they're going I mean they're a team that I think they probably will win fewer games next season but now they're going to build this thing around Jaron Jackson Jr. and around John Morant and they probably will be back in the lottery and all of those things I mean there's a there's a path to them becoming an exciting franchise again am, am I reading that right 
Yeah, I, first of all, pour one out for the grit and grind era. Um, yeah. I mean, you just think about how difficult it is to win you know, year after year in the NBA. Memphis had a perfectly good team, borderline great team, one Western Conference Finals appearance. That's not a knock on them. That's just to say just that's how difficult it is to build a contender in the NBA. And, uh, you know, those Memphis Grizzlies, of course, with with uh, Gasol and Randolph and Tony Allen and, and Mike Conley, um, you know, it, it was it was a special team. And I understand they don't have any rings to show for it, whatever. That was a special team. But, yeah. You know, they've they've had to make some changes. They've had to, you know, they've had to rebuild sort of on the fly here. And it makes sense the direction they're going. I wonder where else they're going to go, because they've got, you know, they have some lingering guys like Avery Bradley, Kyle Anderson that are on the roster. Do they fit in going forward? Uh, C.J. Miles as well. Jay Crowder, who they just picked up. Is that a guy they're going to hang on to or flip for even more assets? And then Jonas Valanciunas. You know, there's talk of he opted out so he could sign a long-term deal in Memphis. We'll see if that comes to pass. But however you look at it, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think I think they're in, they're trending in the right direction, and I think they have the right guys around again to sort of adapt to the the modern NBA. Milwaukee's in a weird spot, John. They 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 had a really good season. They were the one seed out of the East. Uh, they 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 they've got the MVP and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, yet Malcolm Brogdon can leave. Uh, Chris Middleton could leave. Uh, they're not too terribly far from having to deal with Giannis on a long-term situation. Uh, I guess Lopez is there that they've got to they've got to figure out what they're doing with him. And then there are there are money issues. Yet it seems to me that if you're a team like Milwaukee, now is the time to pay the tax. Right now's the time. You've got a window that's wide open. You've got a brand new arena that that's filled up. You're uh, you're selling tickets. If you're going to ever be one of those, you know, the, a, a tax repeater and all that, now's the time in Milwaukee, right? Yeah, I agree with you. And, I mean, the way that things are, the way that some of the moves they've made, the way they've positioned themselves, um, they can, they'd have to release George Hill, who's only owed, I think, $1 million next season, as opposed to the 18 that he's under contract for. Uh, they can release him. They could possibly stretch out the salary of John Luer, who they just acquired in order to dump Tony Snell off of their books. But then they should have the they should have the maneuverability to re-sign Brooke Lopez probably for up to $14 million, um, re-sign Chris Middleton, and then match any offers for Malcolm Brogdon. And I know there's some talk out there that he could get a massive offer sheet from someone, but it does feel like that's an offer, whatever it is, Milwaukee needs to match it and worry about it later. Go ahead and keep those core guys because, you know, look, it's probably going to cost you Nikola Mirotic as well. Um, they may even have to dump Ursan Ilyasova, but they've got a good core to work with there. And, yeah, it's going to get expensive. It's a small market team. But also, too, Giannis Antetokounmpo is on the clock. I mean, this is a guy that he's going into the last two years of his contract. Now is probably not the time after that run they just had, you know, to start saying, well, we, we, we're trying to stay under their tax for another year. Maybe it's time to push in on that. Yeah, because I'm going to guess he would have some suitors out there in a couple of years if he decided to, you know, go to free agency. Oh, most likely. I mean, there's there's probably a team or uh, 29 that might be interested <laughs> in him. So, All right. <laughs> um, the, the team that you cover uh, the overwhelming majority of the time, the Oklahoma City Thunder, speaking of paying the tax, my God, they paid tax last year. Um, as we start to wrap up, uh, kind of what do the Thunder do? I, I know that 
They want to cut payroll, yet at the same time, and that's perfectly understandable, you're in the last couple of years of this potentially of the, of the Russell Westbrook, Paul George window. I guess I'll start here on the Thunder, and then we'll go to where they're going. When you look, mm-hmm. when you look back at what happened to them a year ago, well, this past season, how much of it do you attribute to the injury to Paul George? Because he obviously wasn't the same player after the uh, after the shoulder injury. Uh, it turns out Westbrook played hurt. Yet I'm gonna say this: most NBA guys by the end are playing hurt. Mm-hmm. How much of it was was injuries? How much of it was what the team? just did not maximize its potential what happened if, if you're Oklahoma City and you're trying to figure out where to go from here when you do the autopsy on last season what's the finding you know the Paul George injury was impactful and, and there's no doubt about it and and you can pretty much draw a line between the point where OKC you know announced that that he was having shoulder soreness before and after and there is a difference in terms of how he shot the basketball, how effective he was. But as I've as I've explained elsewhere, he was still out there. I mean, he was still out there playing at an elite defensive level. It's not like, you know, Oklahoma City was having to play Abdul Nader for 40 minutes a night, right? They still had, you know, a, a banged up Paul George, but it was Paul George. Um, look, a lot of the issues with OKC, one is depth. You know, when you get to the playoffs and you're relying on Ray Felton, that's a problem. Um, that is something they've got to try to shore up. And obviously, Markeith Morris was a guy that that they thought would provide more uh, and just didn't fit for either party. So that is definitely a problem. But look, a lot of it comes back to Russell Westbrook. Um, he shot the ball poorly. He shot the ball often, sometimes early and often. Um, so that's what that's what you keep coming back to is they need a more efficient Russell Westbrook which that seems like a sentence that doesn't make a lot of sense because he's just not an efficient player, but he's got to do better. He's got to be more selective on his shots. He's got to figure out this thing at the free throw line and, uh, and make that you know, something in his arsenal again. A lot of it comes back to him. And, I mean, as much as you can look at Paul George's stats before and after the injury, that's sort of when Russ sort of took the reins of the team, and it's no surprise at that point why the team was so erratic down the stretch. So – there's a lot of rumors about Steven Adams. Um, they've, they've got, I guess, Dennis Schroeder is on the last year of a deal. Andre Robertson's on the last year of a deal. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of that. I mean, they, they do have some, I guess, movable pieces. How do you go? How do you balance, if you're Oklahoma City, how do you balance? Well, we're moving. Uh, we're trying to get – we're trying to reduce our tax load, yet we're trying to become not only – I mean, you're, you're also – I would assume you're trying to become a better team – because they're one of those teams that if they were able to make a jump, now that Golden State is at least somewhat out of the picture, they, they would have at least an opportunity to contend, right? An opportunity, yeah. I mean, in, in other words, there are pieces in place that makes it seem not outrageous that they could be part of that conversation. I mean, don't forget, this was a team that was 18 games over 500 at one point before the wheels started to come off. Um, That's two years in a row the wheels have come off the second half of the season. Um, But, I mean, still, there is, you know, there's obviously a good talent base to work with there. Um, So when you look at OKC, Schroeder's actually got two years left on his deal. But still, at $15.5 for a starting point guard, 
Um, you know, that that's not bad for a lot of teams in the league. So I do think that there there could be a market for him. And some of that may depend on what happens with Kimball Walker, uh, may depend on what happens with Phoenix and who they sign or who they don't sign. Another D'Angelo Russell potential suitor, by the way, I forgot to mention them. Um, you know, that that's a possibility. Steven Adams, his name is, you know, come up uh, in, in stories uh, in Boston, in Sacramento. And look, I think he's potentially a guy that not only does OKC, you know, like you say, maybe want to slash the payroll a little bit. They want to get better. Maybe they want to adapt a little bit more. And maybe they're going after some shooters and at the expense of Steven Adams. So maybe they are looking to reinvent themselves a little bit. I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens. I think at a minimum, even if they if they don't make a major move, other than sign a couple of minimum salary guys, they're going to they're going to trim something on the edges somehow, whether it's offload Patrick Patterson or, you know, they'll do something to sort of reduce that tax bill a bit. But then if they go into next season with this roster, you're going to have Andre Robertson hopefully back on it, which would be a boost. Um, you know, you're going to have hopefully Hamadou Diallo taking another step, Terrence Ferguson taking another step, Jeremy Grant taking another step. There is still some room to grow within the team. So I think that is at least that, that's at least encouraging when you're looking at OKC's chances for next season. Crazy last question, but it's one I'm just kind of curious about. It's been a, a few months. I'm not asking specifics on, on what, what the situation is, but do you hear anything about what the future holds for Alex Sabrinas, whether it's in Oklahoma City or anywhere in the NBA, or is he done with basketball? No, I haven't. I haven't heard anything definitively. Uh, obviously, there's there's been a lot of speculation on you know what happened there towards the end of the season, and it's always something that that I you know when Alex is is comfortable talking about it in depth, uh, I hope he gets that opportunity. Um, the the way that I understand the rules, I've went back and reread them a few times because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But apparently, this is the case. Uh, when Abrinas was waived, he agreed to reduce his salary, so it's a buyout, just like you hear. All the time, a guy leaves $2 million on the table to go recoup $2 million somewhere else. Well, when a player reduces his salary in a buyout, he cannot re-sign with that team for one year, even if his contract expires, you know, months later. In other words, Abrinas could not re-sign with OKC until February. Indications are, look, Alex has been in Oklahoma City. He just, he only left OKC like recently so he's been around um the okc metro area so i wouldn't be shocked if he's not back with the thunder at some point maybe maybe it's sort of a decision on hey take a year get lined out we'll talk again next february um my expectation is, is that he's still going to play pro basketball somewhere it's interesting stuff i'm it's, it's none of my business at all i just kind of you, you yeah i know you know you you hope the best for the guy because he seems like a nice right. guy and it's just it's kind of bizarre when you see a, a, a young guy who's kind of starting to get his opportunity just disappear. And anyway, I hope, yeah. I hope it works out for him. It, it, it is. It's an unfortunate situation. And a lot of people, I mean, we're obviously sort of demanding answers and demanding that the media look, the media was asking all the questions they possibly could. But there are some things in life um, that, you know, employers cannot say about an employee. And so there's only so far you can go in the questioning and there's only so far the team can go in answers. And, uh, you know, that's what I've been saying all along. This is obviously a situation that when Alex feels comfortable, you know, it's, it's going to come from him. Well, John, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to uh, kind of following your coverage uh, as the free agency period gets started here in a few days. Sounds great, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. 
Our thanks to John for his time today. I hope you enjoyed both of our shows, both of our beer gardens this week with Greg Jones and now John Hamm. We'll be back uh, next week, uh, some point probably early in the week. My plan is to start shifting our focus to football. I know you're thrilled. I'm look, looking forward to it as well. Uh, college football, NFL training camps, not too terribly far from getting started. We'll talk about that. We'll touch on uh, Major League Baseball as it approaches the All-Star break and if there's major developments in the um, – NBA free agency that really shake up the league. We'll talk about that as well. Have some different ideas, hoping to get to it next week. So until then, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Beer Garden. Don't forget to please support our sponsors, including the Oxford Crystal. And until then, take care.